What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and happy Monday, my friends. I hope you are having an amazing start to your week. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and it is always a fun time when we can get together for another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we cover topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and need. To trust or not to trust? That is the question today. We are deep diving on zero trust security for WebEx, and to help us drive the conversation, as always, we have an exceptional cast of Cisco champion hosts and an amazing Cisco expert. So sit back, turn that volume up, and join us for the next half hour or so. So let's get started with introductions. Tony, we'll start with you. Tell us more about who you are and what you do at Cisco. Hi, Emily. Yep, my name is Tony Moore-Crone. I'm a technical marketing engineer in Cisco's Collaboration Technology Group, and I look at all things related to cloud security or cloud collaboration security, and in particular, zero trust security for WebEx meetings. Perfect. We have the right expert on the call. Ahmad, you're up next. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, this is Ahmad Tamni. I am a technical and pre-sales supervisor for the collaboration team in one of the gold partners to Cisco. Uh, actually, we work with most of the uh, collaboration portfolio, including Webex. And lately, I have interest in the security topics and uh, zero trust is one of those topics. I'm happy to be with you for my first time in this recording. We're happy to have you. All right, you. Sebastian, you're up next. Hello, my name is Sebastian Leuser. I'm a solution architect at Deutsche Telekom with a focus on collaboration solutions, especially WebEx. Great. Sebrin, last but not least, my friend, tell us about yourself. Well, yes. Well, my name is Sebrin Bergenkamp. I'm owner of Three Corners, and we are located in the Netherlands. And we focus on uh, the entire Cisco collaboration portfolio. And my Twitter handle is at SebrinB. All right. A lot of collaboration lovers we have here today. Oh, yeah. Tony, can you give us an introduction mm -hmm. on what we're talking about today? Sure, yeah. Uh, so for WebEx meetings, we've supported WebEx meetings for a long time. We have supported end-to-end -end encrypted meetings for about 12 or almost 13 years now. Um, but um, this week and at WebEx One back in December, we announced a new form of end-to-end -end encryption called Zero Trust Security for WebEx Meetings. And that really changes things up in some ways. So the, it does two, two or three main things. First of all, it's a standards-based form, an open standards-based form of end-to-end -end encryption. So we're kind of looking to extend it beyond just the Cisco um, environment. Um, secondly, uh, it also supports devices. So in the past uh, and today, end-to-end um, -end encryption for WebEx meetings supports the WebEx uh, meetings app only. This will support the WebEx meetings app and devices. And then thirdly, the other thing that we're introducing is something called end-to-end -end identity. So a way of actually checking that the person who's in the call is who they say they are. 
Oh, excellent, Tony. Thank you for the introduction. Um, we're talking about end-to-end -end encryption, but in, in, in essence, that's already been sold quite a few years, which you're already mentioning. Uh, what's the difference between end-to-end encryption -end and end-to-end -to -end encryption, what, you are, what we're going to discuss? What's okay. the difference? Um, well, actually, if I take it this way, what's the difference between end-to-end -end encryption, end-to-end -end encryption as WebEx does it today, and end-to-end -end encryption as we're doing it with Zero Trust? So, first of all, there are a lot of definitions out there as to what end-to-end -end encryption means. Um, there's, you know, you could, you'll find one on Wikipedia, UNESCO have one, Amnesty International have one, there's even one for US federal standards as well. Um, but with regard to WebEx meetings, what we mean by end-to-end -end encryption, and in its simplest form, is if you are using end-to-end -end encryption for a WebEx meeting, then we, the, the provider, WebEx, do not have the meeting encryption key, and neither do we have access to that encryption key as well. Um, so that's just a kind of you know, ground setting for what end-to-end -end encryption is and what the definition is for meetings. What's the difference between end-to-end -end encryption today, as you may use it, and what we're introducing with Zero Trust Security is really, again, moving to an open standards-based environment. So today we've supported end-to-end -end encryption for 12 years. Um, we've seen a large uptake in end-to-end -end encryption in the last 12 months as well. So with the rise of the coronavirus, what we've seen in the pandemics, what we've seen is that you know, large number of customers, pretty much everybody's working virtually. And for you know, CXO meetings, people that, you know, developers that are, share, that are, you know, sharing code that won't see the light of day for four or five years, they want to know that nobody can access that meeting. And so we've seen a large uptake in the use of end-to-end -end encrypted meetings in the WebEx cloud. What we're doing in this, this year, in this phase, is introducing um, zero tr trust security for WebEx meetings, and that comes in two phases. The first part is end-to-end -end encryption, um, so that's support for the WebEx apps and devices, and I'll expand upon that a little bit more as we discuss it. And the second part is end-to-end -end identity. So we're really looking, you know, the general statement, we're really trying to drive the standard here. We're trying to get to an open standard so that any vendor in time will be able to join an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting. Thanks. Yeah. Uh and Tony, this will be natively included in the solution or the customer will pay something. And I wonder if you can elaborate which products from Cisco Lions will be included in this great sure. feature. Yeah, so it's, it's free to all. There is no charge for this whatsoever. It's just an option that you will select. So from an administrator perspective, if you're on your in Control Hub, for example, you can select the meeting session type. That would be end-to-end -end encryption. And then your user will see that when they go to schedule their meeting. And they could schedule a regular meeting that's just encrypted, or they could schedule a more confidential or a confidential end-to-end -end encrypted meeting. So there is no cost for that today. There is no cost for it with zero trust security. And also with the rollout as well, the plan is just to kind of do a zero touch rollout in terms of what customers will see. So we will upgrade the WebEx app to support both the new and the old form of end-to-end -end encryption. We're adding support for WebEx devices. So it's the Room OS devices, so the Desk Pro and so on. And again, what we'll do is we'll upgrade the code on those devices so they also support end-to-end -end encryption. Um, and then over time, within the WebEx cloud, we have clusters of servers. We'll upgrade each of those clusters. So you may be on a, on a cluster that's using the old version. Your app and your, your 
your app can join that meeting as you can today. You may be on a cluster that's supporting the new version, then the app can support that and devices as well. So there's a, there'll be a cutover period in the next 12 months or so as we move across the board and roll out end-to-end -end encryption to everybody, but no cost to anybody at all. It's free for all. What will change for the end user? Will they have a different behavior of the WebEx client? There are some subtle changes. So um, we're kind of making changes to the lobby and to the roster. So you'll see some changes in terms of the categorizations of users. So you'll see um, in the lobby, for example, you'll see users in my organization or your organization. So those are all in one particular box. And then everybody else is a guest. And so a guest, the notion of a guest could be um, you know, somebody from a consumer organization, somebody from a completely different company. Um, it could also be um, somebody from your organization that, that hasn't signed in. So we're going to differentiate between essentially signed in users or and signed in users from your organization and then anybody else who's signed into another org or, or a guest. Um, in the roster, what you'll see and in the lobby, what you will also see is some details about the domain that the user's calling in from. So rather than just seeing you know, Jim Smith and just the name alone, you'll see Jim Smith and you'll see at company.com, for example. So you'll get some additional information about the user, both in the lobby and in the, um, and in the roster once they've joined the meeting. So it gives the host a bit more control and um, a bit more detail about who's actually joining the meeting. So that all comes with end-to-end -end encryption. With end-to-end -end identity, it's extended a bit further. So with end-to-end -end identity, what we're doing is that we're now going to differentiate between users that whose identity has been independently verified. So we're not relying on anything in the Cisco or the WebEx cloud to verify the identity of those users. The certificates for those users, and that's part and parcel of MLS, um, come from a non-Cisco certificate authority, somebody like Let's Encrypt. And so what you'll see in that second phase with end-to-end -end identity is that now alongside the username, you'll see the domain, but if it's independently verified, that will be shown up in blue and will differentiate between those users that have been verified by Cisco, those that have been verified by an independent certificate authority. Yeah, let's, uh, I would like to, I would like to circle a little bit back, uh, Tony. You are, yeah, you, sure. are, you are discussing um, standards. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Because if we, I, I can imagine if we stay away from standards-based, uh, then it will be very hard to implement and get some traction in the market. Yeah, so it's a kind of interesting topic overall. So you know, if you if you look at what's if you look at Cisco, it's always been our approach to drive standards. So SRTP um, has been available uh, as you know standards-based code from Cisco for um, for over sixteen years. So it really is out there and deployed by many many um, devices and many other vendors as well. Uh, and similarly with SIP, we were on the SIP track, driving the SIP standard to, to happen. With end-to-end -end encryption and end-to-end -end identity we're leveraging three new standards. So those are um, MLS or Message Layer Security. Um, there's also Secure Frame or S-Frame, which is um, used to encrypt the media itself. So MLS, by the way, for Message Layer Security, it was developed as a secure way of exchanging keys between participants in a, a messaging space. We've just adapted that for meetings instead. And then the third one is ACME or the ACME protocol, which allows you to automate the process of um, delivering or verifying users and delivering certificates to those users or devices. So those are the three key standards that we're driving. 
Um, they're in various states at the moment, and I can talk to you about the individual standards themselves. Um, but again, if you look at the look at it from a wider perspective, today, you know, somebody could argue as well. We're using SRTP. We're using these standards-based ciphers. Um, but what that doesn't give you is interoperability. What we're what you would get would be, um, you know, a version of a product or feature set um, that's just aligned with one vendor only. And that's the mold that we're trying to break in the long run here. So we're starting with MLS, S-Frame and Acme. That's the way, that's our way forward. There are multiple other um, vendors involved, those standards as well, for example. So there's Let's Encrypt, Ericsson, Cosmo, Facebook, Google, Wire and Oxford University are involved in some or all of those standards. So it's not just Cisco going out there and doing it. What we're looking to do is to kind of to launch this to drive it to maturity and then to get other vendors to adopt it. That's really the way that we're going. Yeah, Tony, as yeah. we know, Cisco was built to allow all people to connect from anywhere, from using any device, anytime. Mm -hmm. So not all participants will join using Cisco devices or maybe WebEx application. Sure. So well end-to-end -end encryption include for example standard SIP devices or web uh, application for WebEx to be part of the end-to-end -end encryption? So a really good question. So today if you look at how we do end-to-end -end encryption today then um, it, in an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting the only participants they can only join if they're using the WebEx meetings app they can't join from the PSDN from a SIP device and the primary reason for that is because that PSDN gateway or that SIP device and SBC are using standards-based SRTP to encrypt the media on a hop-by-hop -hop basis. And with end-to-end -end encryption, the key difference is, is that the provider doesn't have the key. So as we do it today, the host of the meeting will generate that encryption key and that will be securely transported to all of the other participants in the meeting. Um, and so that encryption is happening a layer above SRTP essentially. So Going back to your question, you know, what about access from other user types? Even with zero trust security today, all that we're really doing right now is extending that out to the WebEx app and WebEx devices. Um, and what we're using, the protocol that we're using for that is HTTP, um, the same protocol that we use today for the standard end-to-end -end encrypted meetings and the WebEx desktop app today. So could we extend it out to SIP devices? Yes, we could. So we're going to drive down that standards track. The first thing that we want to do is to get the baseline out there with MLS, S-Frame and Acme. But there's no reason why um, you couldn't support MLS and S-Frame um, on a SIP device. And that's kind of really quite interesting in that once you start looking at the bigger picture. And this is this idea of, you know, who do you trust in this overall meeting? Um, the goal here with end-to-end -end encryption is that you don't have to trust um, WebEx or your provider. You know, the keys aren't coming from your provider and with end-to-end -end identity neither are the certificates. There's no reliance on the provider whatsoever. Um, what you could do with a SIP device, so let's you know imagine where we're going to go with this or where we could go with this. Um, you know, Once we get that on the standards track then what you could do is extend the edge of end-to-end -end encryption into the enterprise. So you, you know, think about having an expressway C&E pair um, that supports end-to-end -end encryption. Um, you, know, you own those as a customer. They're on your site. They're locked into your data center. It's a trusted environment. Therefore, you could connect from Call Manager all of your IP phones and devices that are on Call Manager through that expressway into the meeting and know that every participant 
from the edge of that expressway um, are getting end-to-end encryption. So likewise, if we look at um, recording, for example, today for recording services, um, they're SRTP-based, or whether they're in the cloud or on-premise, and they're largely SIP-based as well, for that matter. If we get um, zero-trust security end-to-end encryption with MLS and S-Frame on a vBrick recording server, then you could place that you know, into your enterprise. It's, in, again, in your data center. It's trusted, and now it can also join that end-to-end encrypted meeting. So the drawback, just to call it out, the drawbacks of end-to-end encryption is that there is no SRTP support. And so therefore, for an end-to-end encrypted meeting, you get the benefit of confidentiality, but you lose the accessibility of PSTN users, um, SIP users, and services that are using recording such as, so using SRTP, such as recording, for example. So that's the that's the challenge there. With end-to-end encryption today, it's just the WebEx app with zero trust security end-to-end encryption. It's the WebEx app, WebEx devices, but we're looking to drive the standard, not only just on HTTP, but into SIP as well. But that's a bit further down the road. But certainly that's where what we'd like to see, that there's a kind of ubiquity um, in terms of zero trust security and end-to-end encryption, that any vendor's device, if it supports the standards, could join into join, join one of our meetings. It wouldn't really matter. You mentioned also VBRIC as a partner for recording with end-to-end encryption. Mm-hmm. Are your plans to create a complete ecosystem across many partners? I don't. I don't want to kind of get ahead of myself and say yes, absolutely, we're doing all of that. We're we've just we've had some initial discussions with Vbrick. Um, we work closely with them anyway, and they're very keen to adopt this. But the idea would be, yeah, I mean, if 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 we could say to a customer that if you take these devices that have adopted the standard and they're known to us, then yeah, if they're in your premises, then they can join that end-to-end encrypted meeting. So it really opens out um, the range of products and devices that can actually join that meeting. It won't be everything, though. though. So the thing to note here is that you know what you lose today with end-to-end encryption is not just recording services in the cloud. It's things like meeting transcription, speech recognition, and so on. So there are certain services in the cloud that it probably will take you know, quite a long time before we'd actually get there. Because if you look at speech recognition, for example, it's, you know, it's cloud CPU intensive, and there's no way to replicate that on-premise. So it's a little bit more difficult to do. So I don't see that we'll, have a, that we'll be in a situation at a point in time anytime soon where you would have all of the features that you would have in a WebEx meeting, standard WebEx meeting in the cloud available to an end-to-end encrypted meeting. What the open standards with zero trust security offer and promise is that the idea that if those devices on your premises support zero trust security, support MLS, S-Frame, ACME, then they too can participate in an end-to-end encrypted meeting as well. So the idea is to really to widen out that footprint of devices beyond just the WebEx app and WebEx devices. Tony, what will what will happen when uh, when you have a full end-to-end encrypted uh, meeting and for some reason a uh, a non-standard device will try to join, uh, like we, you mentioned, an SRTP-based device, will then the participants be noted that there is a an insecure device trying to dial in, or will it just be rejected? How how will that work? Good question. So today, the way that it works is that there isn't a way for that user to join. There is no SIP address that we would advertise with the meeting meeting invites. There is no PSTN dial-in number for that meeting either. Um, in the future, 
then it would be nice to have the ability to um, to change the capabilities of the meeting. So you could have a default setting so that you are always end-to-end -end encrypted. If a PSTN user dialed in, we would then switch down and inform the user as well. But it's not something that we're committing to right now, but certainly if you look at a way to go, that would really be a nice thing to have. Yeah, and how about the entire process uh, in performance perspective? So will the users will have a secure end-to-end meeting with uh, expected performance from Webex? Yeah, so we everything that we've tested so far, we've seen no issues. Um, so we're not expecting any issues. Clearly, if there was, that would be something that we would address straight away. But every, all the testing that I've seen and all of the alpha and beta trials that I've seen so far, and we've tried it across multiple platform types, we haven't really seen any issues with it. We're now primarily focusing on the on the end-to-end -end encryption, but you also mentioned that uh, identity and uh, being able to identify who is actually dialing in or participating. How 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 will how will this work? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. So the 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 quandary is, or the question is, you know, you're in an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting. You see all of these names that are up there in that meeting. Um, how do you know that that person is actually who they say they are? So. You could rely on your IDP if you have an IDP and you're kind of authenticating with that IDP. Um, but likewise, you can have guest users that can join an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting. Somebody with a WebEx app today can just choose to join a meeting and they're just prompted for the first name, second name, email address, um, and away they go, they're in. So there's always this balance between security and accessibility in that case. You know, you or customers will want to have other, you know, their customers, for example, join a meeting without having to sign up with WebEx, either as a consumer or as part of an organization. So once you now have all of those users in the meeting, you know that, you know, WebEx doesn't have the key because you're end-to-end -end encrypted, but how do you actually know that that person is who they say they are? And that's where end-to-end -end identity comes in. So, to roll it back a little bit, if you look at messaging layer security or MLS, MLS has this notion of key packages. Every user will have a key package and contained within that key package is a certificate for that user. So phase one of end-to-end -end encryption, because we want to roll this out seamlessly, zero trust for all users, that certificate will be generated by a WebEx or Cisco CA. And within that key package, what you're using that, those key packages for is to share them among all participants in the meeting. And once we, if I have five people in the meeting, for example, we're sharing all of those five MLS key packages, we'll use those to generate encryption keys for the meeting. But it also, we're using those key packages to identify users in the meeting as well. So what we're doing with end-to-end -end identity is moving um, the reliance on the WebXCA um, just you know, away from Cisco altogether. And what we're doing is that we're using the ACME protocol um, to allow the WebEx app to request that certificate from a, a Cisco independent or a non-Cisco CA. So somebody like Let's Encrypt, for example, now I'm getting my certificate from somebody that's completely independent of, from Cisco. So now what you get with Zero Trust Security is not just a meeting where you know that WebEx um, doesn't have the encryption key, you also have some independent verification of that user identity. So there's no reliance whatsoever on the WebEx cloud um, for either the confidentiality or the identity. It's all out there in the customer's chosen IDP, if they're using SSO, for example, to authenticate the user and the CA of their choice. 
So that's really the next step to it. And there's been a few cases recently in the press that's just been looking at that specific part where government organizations um, are wanting to track the identity of users in, you know, let's say, in, in other end-to-end -end encrypted messaging apps. And the, the response from the industry is, is that to give away somebody's identity in that sense, it's really not a good thing to do. So identity, if you like, is kind of the next round of things that we're looking at beyond end-to-end -end encryption. How do we know that the person in the call is truly who they say they are? And what if there is a device in the picture? How we can identify and authenticate that device? Good, good question. So for users on the WebEx app, so I'll talk about the WebEx app first. So let's say that um, you've got your WebEx app on your PC and on your iPhone, for example. So what you will get are two certificates, one for the PC, one for the iPhone, and they will have your email address in that certificate, but the, the serial numbers of those certificates will be different. So for people using the WebEx app, your identity is based upon your email address, and that's also verified as well and, and authenticated through the IDP. So we actually check, or ACME will check that one, if you're from company.com, it will check the DNS server to see that you own company.com. Once it's done that, it will also check to see that you are authenticated. You'll get a SAML assertion from your IDP to say, this is Jim Smith, for example. So now you have both of those pieces, jimsmithcompany.com, you can create that certificate for that user. For devices, what we're doing is actually using the standard ACME protocol as it's used today. So the ACME protocol as it's used today is largely used for websites, for example. And, and what somebody who wants to run a website and get a certificate for it would do is they would take their domain name and place that into a public DNS service. Um, say, okay, I own this service. Um, I'm going to put it into the DNS server. And ACME or the CA will check the public DNS service to see that you own that name. So for devices, rather than using an email address, we'll use a domain name. So device1.webex.com or device1.company1.com, for example. We will put that entry or that record into a public DNS. Um, as a, an administrator, you'll make the request to the CA using the ACME protocol for the certificate. The CA will check the DNS entry to check to see that you own it. And if you do, it will generate a certificate for you with that domain name in it, send it back to the administrator down to the device, create your MLS key package, and away you go. Perfect. At the moment, we see lots of efforts from Cisco regarding data privacy and security. Is that mm -hmm. part of the general strategy now? That's a really good question. So it's, a, it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing, particularly in Europe, um, with things like the Patriot app, for example, that what we're seeing is that customers in Europe want to keep their data in Europe. So in terms of analytics, we're moving analytics to the European data centers. We've just opened up a Frankfurt data center that's out there as well. One other thing that we're looking at right now, so it's not there today, but it's certainly on the feature list that's prioritized, is the idea that, um, so if you think about an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting, so I often talk to banks and banks want absolute confidentiality. So. I talk about end-to-end -end encryption as it works today. Cisco doesn't have the encryption key. We can't get access to that meeting content. We can't see anything. And then the follow-up question is, well, 
um, what about the, the details or the metadata for that meeting, the meeting title, the list of the participants and so on. And today what we do is that we store that information. So, and the reason that we store it is for multiple reasons. As an administrator in Control Hub, you may want to view that meeting information. If you call up TAC, then we'll use our MAT service to analyze a meeting and look to see what's happening there. So today we store all that meeting. We've had requests from customers now, we're seeing requests to say that what they would like to do for 100% anonymity is that if they're using an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting, that they also, as an administrator of that site, they have the ability not to store any analytics. So again, there's a trade-off here. So in the same way that with end-to-end -end encryption, you get confidentiality at the expense of no PSDN, no SIP devices. Um, if you want absolute anonymity, then you can do so, but now we have no, no details of who joined the meeting, the meeting ID, and so on. So if you really want to get it, you can get it, you can have that anonymity, but if you have an issue with your meeting and you're complaining about quality, well, what's the name of the meeting? We don't have those details. So it's very difficult for us to troubleshoot down to at a meeting level and certainly down to an individual user. If all of those users' identities are obfuscated and we can't see or differentiate between user A and user B, then it's very difficult for us to do any troubleshooting. But that may be something that customers want and so it's on the backlog right now to try and do that. And we're trying to kind of work through that and understand exactly how we do that as well. So good question. Yeah, because it's not just analytics we are missing. Uh, all other nice features like the transcription and uh, translation features which are upcoming uh, are also impossible at the moment. Yeah, there's, there, it's again, it will always be a trade-off in that case between you know whether the desire for confidentiality outweighs the need to have you know, transcription. So, you know, if you wanted to have a confidential meeting where you had live translation between multiple languages, then that's not going to be possible because that cloud service, which is really CPU intensive, is not, you know, you... So, let me ask the question this bit this way. If you want confidentiality, we don't have the key. If you want to have live meeting translations, we have to have the key. So, it's not confidential anymore. No, and that's, that's the thing. So, it's it's kind of a tricky one to play. I mean, there could be a halfway point, a gray area that says, well, we're not using SRTP. There isn't a hop by hop encryption here. It's only the participants in the meeting that have the key. But from the purest sense, and if we keep it in that pure sense, end-to-end -end encryption is where Cisco WebEx doesn't have the key, can't get the key, and you know that, and you know that as well. And in fact, if you look at the MLS standard, there are a number of um, kind of reviews that people have done in terms of the crypto in MLS to, that have analyzed its security. So if you get, there's a white paper that's out there um, on zero trust security for WebEx meetings. Take a look there. There are some links in that document that are kind of independently verified um, analysis of the MLS code to say that it is secure and that, you know, somebody like Cisco couldn't get the key and couldn't do anything with it. And further to that as well, what you also get with those end-to-end -end encrypted meetings is you get a security code. So if you're in an end-to-end -end encrypted meeting, how do you know that somebody hasn't performed a meddler in the middle attack? Um, and the way that you do that is with that security code. It would be a very difficult thing to do in the first place, by the way, because they'd have to, that attacker would have to 
basically break into all of your TLS connections. They would need to get the SRTP keys that you're using and then get all of the MLS key packages that are exchanged between the attacked user and every other user. And the attacker would actually have to replace um, the key packages from each participant with their own version of that key package. Now, the security code is actually generated from the key packages that the users have. So if I start switching them out, when you go to generate that security code, you'll see a difference between the users and, and one user who would see a different security code would know that they've been intercepted in some way. So there are certain things that we're doing to, again, verify and check that you know you haven't been intercepted, you're not being, nobody's masquerading as you within the meeting itself. One last question. <laughs> what, can we, what can we expect from features yet to come? With end-to-end -end encryption, our key drivers are this year to get to really get end-to-end -end encryption out there and end-to-end -end identity. We're in EFT right now for end-to-end -end encryption. So if there are customers out there that want to get onto it, we still probably have places to get that done. And we've seen a lot of interest from customers who want to who've used end-to-end -end encryption as it is today with the WebEx app, but are really keen to get their devices into those meetings as well. The identity piece is coming in the second part of this year. Right now, that's what I'm focusing on. I don't want to kind of to paint visions as to what we're doing next year and too much roadmap. There are I've kind of talked about the fact that we're looking at anonymizing analytic information or that metadata. Again, that's not delivered yet, but it's something that, that's kind of high on the backlog. Um, the SIP piece, just to set the you know to set the expectation for that, it's really a way out. We have to go back and engage with the ITF, put the proposals forward for S frame and MLS in SIP, and how you negotiate that securely. That will go through a round of um, negotiations as all the different vendors say, well, we should do it this way or that way. But we will get there. That's the goal anyway. That we really want to kind of arrive at a situation where. End-to-end -end encryption can be more ubiquitous. It's not just a special thing that you use in a special case. The goal, certainly from my perspective, is that end-to-end -end encryption should be something that's available to all users if possible, um, if you can deliver it. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. This has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank all of you out there for listening in today. And obviously, a very special thank you to our guests and Cisco Champions for being a part of today's episode. Again, if you want to learn more about today's topic, just click on the link provided in the description below. And just a reminder, you could subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button now. I hope you all enjoy today's episode. See you next Monday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.